You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Buongiorno, buenos dias, ni hao, konnichiwa, motherfuckers. My friends, welcome, one and all, to Abakabu Cafe. This is the English language Kimagure Orange Road podcast. And I want to welcome you guys all today to a very special episode because we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite character, Ayukawa Madoka. Unlike Kasuga, Ayukawa is a more openly complex character. She wears her complexities on her sleeve. As the viewer, we're very aware of Ayukawa's conflicts. And in my mind, at least, Ayukawa is the character that puts the Kimagure in Kimagure Orange Road. This is clearly established from the very first episode. In her first encounter with Kasuga, she's friendly, even a little flirty, as Kasuga is able to establish an easy rapport with her. But in her next encounter with him, he actually wonders if she's even the same girl that he'd met the day before, she's standoffish. She denies knowing who Kasuga is when Shikaru asks her. As the series progresses, we do see her treating Kasuga warmly, particularly when it's just the two of them. Like in episode three, when Kasuga and Ayukawa spend the day together, she's super sweet to him. She lends him her shirt. She even suggests that it, it must feel like they're on a date. However, we also notice that Ayuko's behavior towards Kasuga can abruptly shift to being short and unwelcoming, especially when his relationship with Shikaru comes up. In that very same episode, Kasuga blurts out that he forgot his date with Shikaru, and Ayuko immediately bounces. She leaves. She ends her would-be date with Kasuga. Now, much has been said online about Ayuko as the first tsundere, or at least an early kind of formative example. But it's actually not something that I've really mentioned before on this podcast because I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that it's the right way to characterize Ayukawa. She doesn't behave coldly towards Kasuga as a coping mechanism for her feelings for him, nor as a means to conceal those feelings by behaving in the opposite manner. Ayukawa seems to mostly own her affectionate feelings towards Kasuga, 
as I mentioned above in episode three, she was very receptive to the idea of being out on a date with him. There are a number of additional examples of her owning her romantic feelings toward Kasuga and even partially revealing her feelings to him. In episode five, she asks to spend the night with Kasuga over at his place. and It speaks for itself. In episode eight, she relents and agrees to pose for photos at Kasuga's request, even taking him by the hand to lead him back to the photo shoot. In episode 12, she waits outside Kasuga's apartment for a long time, possibly a couple of hours, hoping to say goodbye to him without anyone else present. In that same episode, she decides to stay in Japan just to remain close to Kasuga. In episode 14, she wrote something she wished to conceal from Kasuga on a slip of paper that she hung on the wish tree for Tanabata. In episode 19, she makes a point to bite the apple that they're sharing in the same spot that Kasuga had just bitten, intentionally putting her mouth in the same place his just was, as Kasuga watches. I could go on, but I'll finish this list by saying that she even goes into the past to find Kasuga and say goodbye in the final episode of the TV series. The fact is, the series makes it plain that she has feelings for Kasuga, which she is both aware of herself and at least a little open with Kasuga about. So her coldness towards Kasuga isn't about concealing her feelings. It's usually punitive. She either becomes upset when confronted with Kasuga's relationship with Shikaru or when she's grown weary of Kasuga's bullshit. She's a little hard on Kasuga in episode five. She calls him a player and implies that he's toying with both Shikaru and herself. Ayukawa smacks Kasuga in episode seven when he attempts to kiss her, not because she wanted him to think she didn't like him, but because she realized that he has this false impression of her, that she's easy and kissing him would only confirm that in Kasuga's mind. So she had to smack him at that point. In episode 17, she eventually leaves Kasuga at the library when he falls asleep as she was tired of his bullshit. He wasn't present for their studies. He was bouncing back and forth uh, between the pool and the library, and she she got sick of it. In episode 23, Ayukawa refuses to run the relay with Kasuga because he framed the event as a thing that they had to do together for school and her reputation as a delinquent rather than framing it as something he wanted for them to do together. Again, there are so many instances of Ayukua treating Kasuka like the scum of the earth, but I can't think of a single instance that it was motivated by her wanting to conceal her true feelings toward Kasuga. In all of these instances that I mentioned, she treats him coldly because he's committed some offense or because of his relationship with Shikaru. A big example is Ayukua's response when she learns that Kasuga and Shikaru kissed and I want to return to that day. If anything, Ayukawa's cold treatment of Kasuga is more of a confirmation of her feelings than a refutation. She wouldn't respond so much if she didn't care, right? Besides her behavior toward Kasuga, Ayukawa displays narratively important complexities in another respect. The love triangle that causes her so much emotional turmoil is chiefly the product of her own doing. As I mentioned when I discussed episode one, Way back when, Ayukawa sowed the seeds of her own dilemma when she denied not knowing Kasuga. In so doing, she opened the door for Shikaru to pursue him. 
as there was really no reason for Shikaru to think that Ayuko might also like him, given what Shikaru witnessed between them at the end of the first episode. Now, Ayuko has a long history of friendship with Shikaru, whereas Kasuka doesn't. Kasuka's new to town. He doesn't have that history with Shikaru. So Ayuko faces more of a dilemma here than Kasuga does. Kasuga doesn't want to hurt Shikaru. We can be certain of that, but he has known Shikaru for roughly as long as he's known Ayukawa, having met Ayukawa first by about 24 hours or so. In contrast, Ayukawa has a lifetime of friendship with Shikaru at risk. And as we see in I Want to Return to That Day, their friendship is the major casualty in Orange Road. I can't help but think that if Ayukawa had been more honest about having met Kasuga the day before and maybe a little bit more open about her attraction to him in the early episodes, then Kasuga's relationship with Shikaru would likely not have happened, and Ayukawa would have kept her close friendship with Shikaru intact. Ayukawa's position in the love triangle creates interesting conflict in her relationships with both Kasuga and Shikaru. She initially warns Kasuga against hurting Shikaru's feelings. In turn, she scares Kasuga out of breaking up with Shikaru, which helps to cement the love triangle during those early episodes. Ayukawa also lies to Shikaru. She lies to preserve Shikaru's feelings, as we see in episode 4, when Shikaru expresses a concern that maybe Kasuga no-showed to their date because he was with another girl. Ayukawa supports Kasuga's lie that he was helping his father. Ayukawa knows very well what Kasuga was doing. He was hanging out with her. However, because Kasuga was with another girl and that girl was Ayukawa, Ayukawa's lie to Shikaru in this case is also self-serving. And in episode 5, she promises not to tell Shikaru if Kasuga lets her spend the night. Therefore, Ayukawa's shifting loyalties is a rich source of her character's complexity. She's destined to eventually grieve the loss of the most significant friendship of her youth in exchange for the most significant relationship of her adult life. And there's something kind of poetic to that. It's part of what makes the overall story of Orange Road so great. And Ayukawa's journey brings us the themes of change and growth from childhood over to adulthood and the shift in relationships that occurs. Of course, Ayukawa's relationship with Shikaru has complications even before, factoring in their mutual relationships with Kasuga. In episode 15, we see a flashback of Ayukawa finding a four-leaf clover and then Shikaru immediately wanting it. Ayukawa initially makes a game of it. She refuses Shikaru's request and she goes running off while Shikaru gives chase. Ayukawa relents, though. She gives over the four-leaf clover to ameliorate Shikaru when the latter is unable to keep up with Ayukua and concedes. She basically trips while running after Ayukua and starts crying. Shikaru had no chance of catching Ayukua and taking the clover from her. Ayukua is older and more capable after all. Ayukua eventually hands the clover over because she knows that she's older and more capable. And because of this, Ayukua feels sorry for Shikaru mixed with a sense of obligation to look out for Shikaru. So Ayukawa's loyalty to Shikaru is also seen in episode 4, when she stands outside the bully's home all night in order to pressure him into giving Shikaru back the pendant that he had taken from her. However, Ayukawa also resents Shikaru a bit for her willingness to take something away from Ayukawa in the case of the four-leaf clover. Shikaru is so willing to just take something that Ayukawa has and 
maybe even to pressure her a little bit with the tears. Perhaps a better solution would have been to help Shikaru find her own four-leaf clover, thus Shikaru could benefit from Ayukawa's help without directly taking from Ayukawa. I mentioned in my analysis of episode 15 that the four-leaf clover flashback is an obvious metaphor for the dynamic between the girls as it relates to Kasuga in the present day. Ayukawa could end the love triangle in a flash by simply telling Kasuga how she feels, but she continues to act out of this sense of obligation to Shikaru. She wants to date Kasuga. Kasuga wants to date her. She's fairly certain of that, but Shikaru's in the way. Ayukawa doesn't want to ruin what she's got with Shikaru. She feels obligated to Shikaru. In episode 15, Ayukawa decides to persist in the love triangle because her feelings for Kasuga persist. So I think we really have to appreciate the depth and nuance to Ayukawa's relationship with Shikaru and how that impacts Ayukawa's behavior that we see on screen. We often see forces pulling Ayukawa in opposite directions. There is, of course, as I mentioned, her relationships with Kasuga and Shikaru and the inherent conflict of the love triangle there, but we also see broader forces at work on Ayukawa. As we learn in episode 12, Ayukawa is the daughter of prominent, famous musicians, world-famous musicians. She is, therefore, quite affluent. We see that reflected in her uh, living environment. Furthermore, Ayukawa is among the top-performing students at her school. She's clearly a member of the social elite. Compare her house to Kasuga's apartment. She's quite clearly of a higher socioeconomic status. And yet, she's considered a delinquent. She's feared by her classmates and local gang members alike. And despite her good grades, the teachers warn Kasuga to stay away from her near the end of episode two. In episode 16, Ayukawa claims that she doesn't care about what people like her classmates and teachers think of her. However, Remembering the outcome of episode two, she's clearly pretty pleased with the way Kasuga stood up for her when a few of the teachers told Kasuga how bad she was and to stay away from her. In episode 23, Ayukawa again indicates that she doesn't care about what her teachers and classmates think of her and that she doesn't feel any sense of social obligation to run in the relay race for school despite having been nominated. On the other hand, we see Ayukawa diligently studying in episodes 6 and 17 and being the one to encourage Kasuga to study and improve his grades. Kasuga is even a little surprised to see her studying in episode 6. He clearly did not expect her to have any concern for her grades. So how do we make sense of this apparent contradiction? It seems clear to me that Ayukawa is both prideful and contrarian. She's contrarian in the sense that she does not want to participate in certain things simply because that's what is expected of her. We see this with the relay race in episode 23. But even more broadly, she bucks social expectations. By all rights, she should be in the social upper crust, yet she is a delinquent associating with people like Oryu, as we see in episode 37. She skips school, she has a part-time job when she's not supposed to, she frequents nightclubs, she smokes and drinks, she plays in bands, she stays out all night. She does what she wants without regard to what kind of behavior is expected of her, given her socioeconomic status. Hell, there's a good chance that she does shit just because it's contrary to what's expected of her. But she also has her pride. Ayukua is very gifted in a couple of areas, and her intellect is one of her gifts, so she has to make it known. She aces the tests because she can. It's 
The ultimate thumbing her nose at the establishment. The teachers who think she's trash can read them and weep when she turns in her exams. They absolutely cannot deny that she's a top student grade-wise. It's the ultimate thumbing her nose because she's telling them that she doesn't need them. She doesn't need their instruction. She's going to ace the tests anyway. She can cut class and spend the whole time she's there looking out the window and still be in the top three of her class, as we see at the end of episode six. She displays both her pride and her antisocial attitude in episode two when we see her put forth incredible effort to outdo all her classmates on the balance beam, only to casually hop off without even finishing her routine once she's done enough to prove that she was the best. It's like she's proving two points here. First, she's showing the school that she is a better gymnast than all the other girls. And she's also taking the opportunity to tell the teachers to suck it by not finishing the routine. It's a really effective way to buck the entire system within which a teenage girl like Ayukua operates. It's also a great way to effectively establish her character in one of the very earliest episodes. Speaking of Ayukua's pridefulness, we see it manifest in her relationships with Shikaru and Kasuga as well. In episode 5, Ayukua asks to spend the night at Kasuga's apartment while his family is away, but... That was on the heels of her learning that Shikaru had just spent the night hanging out with Kasuga and Ayukua had been drinking. So this could possibly be read as Ayukua attempting to one-up Shikaru due to her pride. Later in I Want to Return to That Day, Ayukua admits that she took it for granted that Kasuga likes her, effectively putting an end to the love triangle only after she learns that Shikaru and Kasuga have kissed. So there's certainly evidence for Ayukua's pride spurring a little bit of competitiveness in her. It's certainly not enough to make you wonder if she only likes Kasuga so she can compete with Shikaru, but it does seem like Ayukua makes some fairly big moves only after Shikaru does. Now, Ayukua is sometimes accused of being a Mary Sue online, sometimes thought of as being excellent at everything she touches. She's the best at everything she does, but this is not actually true. Her talents are clustered around a few general strengths in a very realistic way. She's shown to be a talented musician as early as episode one, and in many of the first uh, dozen or so episodes, we see her playing her saxophone. Like at the end of episode one, after slapping Kasuga when he crushed her cigarette, In episode 7, after slapping Kasuga when he drunkenly attempted to kiss her, she's seen playing her sax in episode 12 as she's feeling kind of mopey about leaving Japan. Music is clearly shown to be her mode of expression. When there are things she can't say, feelings she can't be open with, she takes to the sax. We don't get a voiceover from Ayukawa. We don't get to see inside of her head. We don't get to hear her thoughts the way we do with Kasuga. She's not our narrator. But when we see her playing the saxophone, we can assume there's something going on. There are three tracks spread across the three sound color LPs that are called Madoka's Theme, and these are based off her saxophone arrangements from the show. And Ayukua's musical talent actually extends beyond the saxophone. In episode 22, we see Ayukua playing guitar with Shu's band, and we learn that she composed the song Sarubia no Hana no Yo Ni presumably as an expression of her feelings for Kasuga. 
We even see her playing a recorder in episode six, those god-awful little plastic shits they tormented me with in elementary school. Mine was even bright red like hers is in that episode. Finally, in Shin Kimagure Orange Road, we see that Ayukawa is a talented pianist as well, again, composing a melody for Kasuga in Kyosuke Number 1. Given who her parents are and what they do for a living, it makes perfect sense that Ayukawa would be a talented musician. However, for some reason, at about the halfway point in the TV series, we don't really see much of Ayukawa playing music anymore, especially as an expression of her uh, current emotional state, where her playing the saxophone is like the stand-in for her emotional tumult. Rather, as in the examples I gave a moment ago, we see her creating music for Kasuga, both as a gift and an expression of her feelings for him. She's not just wailing on the sax because she's upset with him, but she's using her talents to make something to offer him as a gesture. We also see that Ayukua is gifted at athletics. She's a formidable martial artist. We see her fighting skills as early as the first episode. She's competent in other related athletic feats, especially those that require coordination and balance, which overlap with martial arts skills. In episode two, we see Ayukua perform that balance beam routine that I mentioned a moment ago. It demonstrates her strength and balance. In episode 14, we see Ayukua practicing or exercising at a woman's wrestling gym. While in episode 18, we see her tame a literal killer wave on a surfboard. Episode 20 shows us that Ayukua is quite good at tennis. Episode 37 extends Ayukua's skill to skateboarding down an open construction site and not dying. Finally, episode 46 and OVA number one, White Lovers, show us that Ayukua is a competent skier. Kasuga's jaunt to the past in episode 47 shows us that Ayukua has always been athletic. She's even a bit of a tomboy in 1983. It's quite possible that her athletic skills even predate her musical abilities. Therefore, we have every reason to accept that Ayukua has always been into physical activity and exercise, and that she's good at these things because she practices them, and all of these skills are related. Moreover, we see her training, albeit in a WWE-style wrestling format, most likely because that was what was popular in the 80s, but it lends credibility to her martial arts skill. Given that martial arts requires balance and coordination, it is Highly plausible that her skills at surfing and skiing, for instance, likely extend from the athletic developments that we've already accepted. Interestingly, Ayukawa's athletic abilities contrast and balance her musical talent. Because of her parents' careers and her socioeconomic status, Ayukawa's musical talent meets social expectations for a high-status woman, whereas her athletic ability is almost entirely connected to her antisocial side possibly with the exception of tennis and skiing. Thus, her wrestling and fighting skill represent her willingness to buck social norms and disregard what others think of her, which I mentioned a moment ago in a discussion of her contrarian attitudes towards social norms. But as I said, she's not just good at everything she does. She actually has several glaring weaknesses. Communication is a big one. She hides or at least downplays her feelings from Kasuga and lies to Shikaru a bunch of times, as I mentioned earlier, to keep the peace rather than being honest with her best friend and would-be boyfriend. I've discussed her pridefulness and her tit-for-tat following any progress that Shikaru makes with Kasuga. Aikua has to get even. Also, 
Ayukawa is shown to be terrified of ghosts in episode 18. I'm not sure if that's really a weakness. That might be more of like a cute detail intended to undercut her usual toughness, endearing her all the more to Kasuga and us viewers, in which case it's highly effective. Ultimately, I have to say that while Ayukawa is an extraordinarily capable character, her skills and abilities make sense, and they're within a scope that mostly seems realistic. Although, maybe that wave was a little bit out of her league. So, for my last topic, if Ayukawa is so gifted, so intelligent, and even a little prideful, why does she fall in love with Kasuga? Ayukawa is beautiful and talented. She could date any man she wanted, and half the women probably. When talking about Kasuga in the previous episode of this podcast, I pondered what it was about him that attracted her. And during that episode, I didn't want to speak too much about Ayukawa's character in favor of focusing solely on Kasuga. But from Ayukawa's perspective, as a member of a relatively high socioeconomic class, as one of the top performers at her school, Kasuga seems unlikely to appeal to her at first glance. Also, as a delinquent who hangs out with gang members, goes to clubs, drinks alcohol, and smokes, Kasuga seems like an unlikely choice as well. And yet, we see that Ayukawa likes Kasuga from a very early point in the show. It's likely that she doesn't care much for socioeconomic status. I mentioned before, she wants to buck social norms. She's not just going to date an upper-crust guy because that's what's expected of her being upper-crust herself. She doesn't give a shit about the socioeconomics of it. She does skip school and hang out in clubs, so obviously Ayuko pays no mind to Kasuga's relatively lower socioeconomic status. It's also possible that Ayukawa enjoys tutoring Kasuga. Their relative scholastic performance gap might actually be a good thing in Ayukawa's mind. She probably wants to help him do his best, but it's an opportunity to demonstrate her intellect, and it elicits a pride response. She gets to prove that she's the smartest. We see her tutoring him in episodes 6 and 17, and in I Want to Return to That Day, we see her get him enrolled in a summer school to prep for college entrance exams. For Ayukawa, tutoring Kasuga and studying together is a pretense to spend time with him. She surely did not need the summer school to pass her college entrance exams, but she enrolled anyway, and therefore we must presume she did so to be near Kasuga, to spend time with him. In episodes 6 and 17, she wants to spend time with them. Studying together is a pretense to do so. As for Ayukawa's delinquency, we see in those early episodes that the fighting and the smoking and the clubbing doesn't really make Ayukawa happy. When we see her in these environments, she seems kind of dour. For example, in episode 3, she's just chilling at the table drinking with a kind of sulky attitude about her, though in her defense, she had just seen Kasuga dancing with Shikaru. And while we do see Ayukua make some jokes and tease Kasuga for humor and levity, she really only does those things with Kasuga. And because the Orange Road narrative focuses on Kasuga, he's our narrator, of course, we don't get to see very much of Ayukua outside of Kasuga's point of view, with a few expectations, but... I still think the early episodes effectively communicate that Ayukawa's life prior to becoming close with Kasuga was not extremely mirthful. So ultimately, my personal interpretation is that Ayukawa falls in love with Kasuga for a very realistic and relatable reason. 
In short, she enjoys herself when she's with him. I think of episode 19 as a perfect example of how Kasuga and Ayukua have fun together. They're playful and flirty on the island, and there's something kind of pure about them enjoying themselves on a beautiful summer's day. Even though they're stranded on this island, they kind of throw caution to the wind. They have fun together. But then they also have the relative danger of being marooned, and as night falls, they gather a little closer around the fire. There's very much an element of sexual attraction and sexual tension between them. I think the question of what attracts Ayukawa to Kasuga is an important question because her arc in the show is very much impacted by her relationship with him. She goes from a rough, antisocial delinquent who smokes and drinks to a young woman with a promising future utilizing her creative talents. For Ayukawa, we see her adolescence as a period of youthful rebellion that gives way to a more focused adulthood. However, I don't think a thorough discussion regarding why Ayukawa fell in love with Kasuga would be complete without some mention of Kasuga's encounter with the younger version of Ayukawa in 1983. I discussed the implications of this at length in my podcasts analyzing Orange Road episodes 47 and 48. If you need a refresher, those are waiting for you. But germane to this podcast is the idea that he made such an impression on 11-year-old Ayukawa that she fell in love with him at that time and remained at least attached to him in the ensuing years. I favor this particular interpretation because it really helps explain several things. A, why was Ayukawa so nice and flirty with Kasuga during their very first on-screen encounter when he uh, caught her hat? Why did she give him the hat for that matter? Why does she basically like him from the jump when he really hadn't done much besides make her laugh a little bit on the hundred stairs? And why doesn't she already have a boyfriend when the series begins? The idea that she has loved Casca since 1983 ties up all of these potential loose ends and even gives their relationship a sense of fate like they're meant to be. Importantly, we see that Casca describes his ideal woman to 11-year-old Ayukawa in 1983, and six years later, she reflects that description. This tells us that she at least subconsciously remembers and values Kasuga's ideal feminine expression, and that she wants to embody this when she encounters him again in the future, as they have definite plans to meet again. On the one hand, it's cute that Ayukawa met this cool guy who saved her, and he was like her knight in shining armor, and she continues to hold at least a little bit of a flame for him. But it's also kind of creepy that he essentially molds her. I don't want to use the word groom, but he kind of grooms her into the Ayukawa that we get to know over the course of the series. In Kasuga's defense, though, chances are very good that his feminine ideal was strongly influenced by Ayukawa herself. We don't know whether Kasuga preferred long hair and cute outfits before he met and fell for Ayukawa in the present day. It could potentially be that Ayukawa ultimately influenced her own look, and that Kasuga was merely the vector for that. She influenced Kasuga's ideal romantic partner, and then he communicated that to a younger version of Ayukawa when he went to the past, so maybe Kasuga is off the hook, and we just have a causal loop to blame. Now, the only remaining question is, does Ayukawa recognize Kasuga in episode number one? Does she recognize him as her Hatsukoi that she met in 1983? I think the answer is yes. 
or at least that it's quite likely. She not only gives him the hat, essentially returning it to him since he bought it for her in the first place, that could be like her telling him, I remember you, but she also has an affection for him from the very early episodes that seems inexplicable otherwise, unless she remembers that he is her Hatsukoi. And it also makes sense that she's going to have an extremely hard time giving up Kasuga to Shikaru as we see her attempt in episode 15. He's her Hatsukoi, of course. She didn't just meet him first by a day or two. She met him first by six years, and she's had a thing for him ever since. So in closing, Aikawa is, like Kasuga, an extremely well-realized character as evidenced by her enduring appeal to audiences, if nothing else. Audiences have loved her for nearly 40 years. If the character of Ayukawa doesn't work, if the character of Ayukawa is unable to communicate the themes of Orange Road, and if she's unlikable to the audience, this show doesn't work. People aren't still watching this show 40 years later, reading the manga 40 years later, making podcasts about the episodes 40 years later. This show works so damn well and became a classic because Ayukawa is so beloved and is such a great character to watch. Her strengths are subtly balanced by weaknesses that help her to feel like a real human being. Again, she's well-realized. It explains her appeal. She's not just this perfect character. She's pretty damn good at a lot of stuff. And she's pretty f***ing cool. But she still feels real, as much as a cartoon character can. She still has this sense of realism in the way her character is constructed. Her contradictions are extremely effective. She's a rich girl who hangs out with gang members. She's a straight-A student who hangs out with the third dumbest kid in school. She's tough, but also cute. And she makes it work. They sell us. Matsumoto Izumi, Terara Kenji... They all sell us on this. I'm buying it. Speaking of buying it, why don't you do me a solid? Head on over to patreon.com slash teamalmy where you can become a patron. Team Almy Podcasts. You will receive free swag in the mail. I send everybody a thank you card. Christmas cards. I send stuff out. I'm, hopefully I don't bother you by sending you too much stuff. T-shirts for everybody in the $10 and up tiers. I've got T-shirts coming. So as you hear this, your T-shirt might actually already be on its way. I got the first couple of, uh, of uh, shipments of the T-shirts. So those are coming out real, real soon, guys. Uh, I want to thank everybody who is a patron, of course. I love you guys very, very much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you'll get access to a... Um, Exclusive, Patreon-exclusive podcast. Shit happens when you party naked, so you can check that out as well. And we're going to start the watch-alongs here probably next month. We're going to do two episodes at a time on Fridays, probably Fridays, uh, once a month. So, And those will be live, and then I'll post video afterward um, to, uh, to the Patreon. Those will be Patreon-exclusive for the uh, immediate future. So thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Of course, this is the episode all about Ayukawa and Ayukawa's character. So it wouldn't be right for me to play anything else as our outro. What I have for you is Earl Knight's remix, what he calls Madoka's theme. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll be back 
next time, next episode, we're going to talk all about Shikaru, her character. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you then.